You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 73 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom. We're here today with Lee Fields and Daniel Cannell. Daniel is the king of everything MXU lighting, and we haven't talked about lighting in a while. So, Daniel, thanks for being with us today, and thank you for um, making time for this great conversation we're about to have. I appreciate it. I uh, figured you guys just decided this whole lighting experiment had run its course and was ready to put it to bed and focus on uh, important stuff like XLR no, cables. you've just been on you, you've been on vacation for about a month and a half, and we couldn't get you on the air. So I was, and it was amazing. <laughs> I'm ready to go back. Where'd you guys go, man? So we we uh, you know we're we're some of those weird RV people. Uh, never thought I was going to be one of the weird RV guys, but uh, back in 2015, we got into the RV world and uh, had a minute to leave. So we. We traded up this year, uh, picked up a toy hauler, and so of course had to had to do a nice big trip of that. So, me originally being from Alabama, Alabama has one of the best lakes in the country in it, uh, Gunnersville Lake up in North Alabama. So we went and spent. Actually, I guess I'll back this up. This started out as a four day trip to go visit family and friends in Alabama, and we realized, man, going to Alabama from Oklahoma that's a pretty long trip for four days. Let's stay a week. So we ended up doing a week at the lake. And then a few weeks before we were set to go on the trip, we thought, you know, we're driving halfway across the country and only for a week. I wonder if there's anything else we can do. All right, let's go to Disney World. So we tacked a week at Disney World on the end of it because Disney World actually has one of the best RV parks in the country there on the property. And then we're down in Orlando. We're thinking, okay, it's going to be a three-day drive back to Oklahoma. There's a beach on the way. Let's spend a few days at the beach. So it was, uh, (laughs) we talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, it's coming up, working, uh, both working with concerts and, and then working in a church vacation time is sometimes hard to come by. And if you do, you usually have to fit it in between other major projects. So uh, I, I want to say kudos to my team because I've never gotten to take a two and a half week vacation in my life and may never get to again, but this one was pretty amazing. Yeah. The team at DC pros is crushing it lately. I'm telling you, man. And you're hiring all kinds of highly talented individuals. Well, you're trying. It seems like everyone else in the business is trying to hire them too, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm snagging as many of them as I can. That's awesome. It's so. very cool. We were um, we were in our office the other day just talking about MXU stuff and strategy, and Spencer said something to me that I think is going to like maybe not change the way we do things, but maybe kind of refocus some things. He was like, okay, we know the church tech community needs two things. They need training and they need rest. <laughs> and when he said that, it was like, it wasn't like they're one over the other either. It's like, yeah. no, they need they need both. So like I took a two-week vacation. You just took one. So Jeff, you're on deck. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Yeah, we're um we're going away for the weekend this weekend. Uh we're gonna be on a different lake in Alabama, actually. We're going to Lake Martin for a few days oh, to yeah. see some friends. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be great. I think, you know, the more the more all of us are talking about this, the more we realize how important it is, not just for your personal health and mental health and all that, but just for family time. And, you know, it feels like the summers are getting shorter and the kids are getting busier. And so just to have focused time, just to turn everything off and just kind of dig in with the family and get some deep rest is so crucial. So we're excited about that. It's only a few days, but it'll be really important and really great. We're looking forward to it. That's one of the big things I've learned is these two and a half week breaks are great. 
but they're not the only answer. You got to have those three and four day ones mixed throughout. You know, I don't, I don't believe I have many regrets, but I, I think one of them is probably not learning this lesson sooner, both for my sake, my kids' sake, my wife's sake, you know, relationships, everybody around me is, you know, in our business, there's such a high demand on your time, you know, your brain time, your, you know, mm-hmm. you know, often projects dominate your thoughts. So getting these times to step away, truly disconnect, you know, get yourself recentered. Um, yeah. I wish I'd learned that lesson 20 years ago. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, now that we got you back from your um, sabbatical, it wasn't a vacation. If it's over two weeks, it's sabbatical. Awesome. I want to talk to you about the tour. We're going on tour? What? We are. I forgot. It's been so long. We are going on tour. And we are in the middle of kind of finalizing production details. So maybe let's have an in-person, real-time, behind-the-scenes conversation so people can listen to this as it happens yeah this is real we didn't plan this i'm not no prepared. we didn't plan this at all so los angeles chicago and dallas are two-day events and the second day will be a live band and they're going to be able to watch you program songs for a worship set i'm gonna to have to remember how to program is it yeah you just sell light bulbs now right that's it i'm a glorified light bulb salesman now so now that we're getting closer maybe you've been thinking about this you've been sitting on the beach what do you what are you thinking Oh man. Um, you know, we have to approach programming, uh, so different depending on the type of event it is in this, this business. And it's definitely not a a one size fits all approach. So one of my big hopes has been that we get to dip into all aspects of this a little bit. You know, I really, my, I enjoy very much getting to sit down with a song in a dark room by myself and go through that song piece by piece for hours and polish every little part of it and get it looking exactly the way I want love that. Quite often, that's not what we get to do. Um, you know, quite often we're, we're thrown into a situation where we're only getting the real recording of the song, you know, shortly before, uh, we're going live, or even if we get a real recording at all, which takes us to the other side of the spectrum, there's, you know, there's certain uh, projects we do where, you know, I'll be behind the console and I don't know what song the band's coming up to play. Um, and I, the, I hear it the first time, the same time the audience hears it. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call myself out, uh, real quick. There were times in my career where in those situations, I put the blame on the people on stage. You didn't get me information fast enough. You didn't provide me what I need to do my job. Well, I'm not saying that's untrue, but what I finally realized is that doesn't matter. You know, I can make, I can either make excuses about how people didn't give me the information I need to do my job well, or I can just do my job well. And that, that caused me to have to, change the way I approach programming. So I want to, I want to visit all that. You know, I want to, I want to spend some time really dialing in, uh, on key lighting and lighting for video because, um, you know, it used to be only the biggest of the biggest churches really needed good lighting for video with the advent of, of streaming and, and Facebook, you know, live and all these things. Um, every single church out there needs to look good on video. Um, if the pandemic didn't drive that home for us, I don't know whatever will. Um, churches who were never on online before suddenly had to be to reach their conversa- their congregation. Um, so yeah, I want to do some 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 pre-programming. I want to do some some busking or punting, depending on what you want to call it, where we, you know, we we you guys throw a song at me maybe, and we just figure it out as we go. Um, and I want to spend some time on on what all happens before that. How do we set up our our show files? What what tools do I make sure? are there on any event, any show, any, any, any service, what tools do I make sure we have both physically in the room and in the console from a programming standpoint 
to make sure we can we can do what we need to at the last minute or however. That's awesome. Can't wait. That is cool. So we'll basically set that up. So we have a worship leader and a band's going to be there, obviously. So maybe we do something like give you two songs to program so that everyone sees it. Mm-hmm. But then he's got one in the back of his head. He's going to pull out at the last minute to simulate yeah. what would happen if he gets to song three and he says, we're going to do something totally different. And you have no idea where it's going. You should let the audience vote on what song that is during one of the breaks <laughs> or the day before or something. Actually, I don't yeah, know if I like awesome. that. They'll find the weirdest, hardest, most awkward song and make, <laughs> make me have to punt to it. But hey, that happens sometimes. And, you know, we're talking to Chave, we're talking to Four Wall, I mean, the guys in your shop about gear mm-hmm. and like what types of fixtures. So, what do you think you're going to want to bring out? You know, put a decent amount of thought into that. I want to, I want to get as well rounded a system as possible. What we don't want to do is come out with this high-end, A-level everything that 99.9% of churches out there will never be able to get their hands on. Um, you know, at the same time, we, we want to make sure we're, we're covering all the bases. So we're going we're gonna to design a, a well-rounded rig. You know, um, there'll be some profiles, there'll be some wash fixtures. It, it, it'll be your, you know, a, a, as a company here at DC Pro, I would describe the, the, this system that we're going to have on the tour as something that we would put into a, you know, 500 to maybe 1200 seat venue. Um, you know, it's not going to be 80 fixtures, um, but it's going to be, we're going to focus more on, you know, less on the quantity of fixtures, more on making sure we have all the various elements we need to have to, to show different ways of approaching it. Cause there's some things that, you know, I'm sure we'll have people on tour who are in portable churches. We'll have people on the tour who are in 5,000 seat rooms. We'll have people on the room that are in, you know, hundred seat rooms. So, I really want to make sure that, you know, everything we do may not apply to every single person, but there will be parts of this rig, you know, with, especially with, with all the great support we have from those companies like Chave, Four Wall. I'll be honest, I I can't keep up with who all you guys have involved now. Um, uh, so I don't want to rattle off names because I don't know for sure if they're involved or not. I think that's all. All right. All right. We'll leave it there. Um, but no, especially between the two of them, you know, we use a ton of Chave gear here at DC pro because, um, you know, I've heard this from Albert Chavez's mouth. They want to be a value-based company. They want to be a company that's affordable, but also puts out awesome products. Um, well, that fits very well with a lot of the church market. So we, um, you know, we use a ton of their gear. We own a ton of their gear. So I'm excited about getting some of that out there. And then uh, having Four Wall involved will help us bring in a handful of other things that maybe aren't part of Chavez's product line that are still very useful for the church market. That's cool. And console-wise, which we're about to find out in this interview we do, it really doesn't matter because the MA software is the same whether you have an on PC or an MA3. That's it. And I'll be the first to say there's several great consoles out there, but I will die as an MA guy. That's, uh, I, I guess I bleed yellow. Um, I think that's still MA's color. <laughs> um, no, it's, 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 you know, I've been on MA for 20 years, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I was so excited about this podcast is, you know, getting to speak with one of the, the higher ups there. Um, been involved with them for 20 years, touched my first one in 97. So what was that? 24 years ago, but use them almost exclusively for about 20 years now. Um, there it's very rarely that I want, you know, that I will be brand exclusive on anything. You know, I think most manufacturers out there make some things that are good, but, um, I'm unapologetic about saying that I think for the house of worship market, especially MA is the best solution. I don't care if you're a 500 seat room or 5,000 seat room. 
you know, it's been my experience that they they now make options for all those. And even more importantly, the people behind it and the software behind it fit very well with our needs as a church as far as stability, reliability. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about in the podcast how long some of the EMA products have existed. And it's been my experience. They've, they've hung out for, you know, sometimes two and three times how long comparable products from other manufacturers are able to stay viable. So, you know, when it comes to, yeah, some of them cost a little more up front, but you end up, it's like, it's like Mac computers. They cost more up front. You end up getting three or four times the life out of it. And that's been my experience with MA for sure. So, yep. Yeah. Excited to have multiple MA products out there to show people to visit the tour. Okay. So sales for the tour are going uh, smashing. We predicted it. Charlotte is sold out. That's right. And we have a massive announcement about Nashville. Yeah. So first of all, I mean, if you don't have a tour ticket yet, I, you've heard me say this several episodes now. I, honestly, I don't know what you're thinking. Like you've got to come. I mean, it's just, it's going to be so much fun, especially the two day events, uh, you know, to have that second day of a band on stage with programming, lighting, talking about the mix, talking about monitor mixing of all things. I mean, we've got some really great surprises coming from our friends at Digico. Um, everybody's going to be able to experience Clang, yep. which if you don't know what Clang is, it's an incredible immersive experience for your band on stage to have uh, more of a sort of binaural experience with their in-ear mixes. But Nashville, if you're, if you're thinking, okay, what's the city to come to? If you're able to get to Nashville, first of all, it's the last day of the tour. So we're going to have all kinds of surprises, probably some extra giveaways, probably some extra shenanigans from Jay and everybody. But the after party in Nashville, our big announcement is that our friends at IPS have made it so that the after party is included with the price of your ticket. And this after party of all eight of them is going to be just legendary. It is going to be. There's going to be a special musical guest. There's going to be special liquid beverages and solid food. Liquid and solid. Yes. Wow. Well, and the other thing about the music is that it's not going to be your worship leader from your church. No, it's actually the opposite. Right. And it might be one of the best musicians I've ever heard. It's the best musician I've ever seen in person. I'm so excited. I have like four jokes I want to reply to that with, and I can't use any of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So if you've been waiting to get your tickets, don't wait anymore. It's going to sell out. I'm just telling you. You don't want to miss it. So go to mxu.rocks and get your tickets for the MXU live tour. That's awesome, man. So now that you're back to work, what are you guys working on? Like cool, exciting stuff? I'm just a pretty face, man. I don't... uh, (laughs) (laughs) no you know we it's funny uh i'm i may regret saying this on a podcast later on um i have said multiple times in my life that i never wanted to be involved in sales and i never wanted to own an integration company well now we mainly do sales and integration um no it's (laughs) it's it's been a blast though um we have gotten to where we we work with uh you know, our, our approach, my approach, um, you know, for people that were familiar with what we did at, at Church on the Move, one of the reasons I got hired there is people wanted a, a, or, you know, the team there at Church on the Move, Andrew Witt and all them, wanted a flexible approach to how we did our events. 
And I would say Church on the Move as a whole, I think, was a kind of a pioneer in the church market. I mean, not the only one doing it, but definitely a pioneer in starting to in you know include flexible production. So now through our company, we have a lot of people coming to us through for that. So you know, we're still working with the team over at Transformation. There's a, a constant need there as they're growing and building. We're we're excited to see them um, hopefully get reopened uh, later on this year. So we're working some stuff there. You know, we are honored to still get to work with our Church on the Move friends, helping with some uh, campus launches there. And then, of course, the smattering of, of other things around the country that we're uh, working on and uh, still uh, still waiting for uh, some of our live events to come back. But in the meantime, integration is keeping us more than busy. That's great. That's awesome, dude. Well, should we get to this interview? Let's do it. I'm excited. Yeah, so we're joined today by Stefan Saremba, who's uh, the managing director of MA Lighting International, which is big title, mm-hmm. big guy uh, in the industry. And I know that you guys are going to love this conversation. I loved just hearing some of the history. So let's get right to it because he's super smart and uh, has a lot of great things to say. So let's let him take it away. Well, we are thrilled to be joined today by Stefan Saremba, who's the Managing Director of MA International. So we're going to answer a lot about MA lighting consoles today, and we have the worldwide expert in what they're doing. So we're thrilled to have you here. Um, You and Lee and Daniel and I are, well, Lee and I are going to learn a lot because we're just a couple of audio guys. And so uh, we're going to learn from you, and Daniel's going to ask great questions about what's new and um, just about your philosophy in general. So thank you so much for being here today. We're thrilled to, to be talking to you. Well, thank you very much. It's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, Daniel, I think you get the uh, table for the first 10 questions. 10 <laughs> questions. All right. Well, and, and I'll add in there, uh, I'm going to learn a lot too. It's, uh, these days, I feel like I'm more just a glorified light bulb salesman than a uh, designer anymore. So I'm anxious to, to learn some stuff I may have missed lately. Um, yeah, I think a great place to start out, um, Stefan is just, you know, maybe I think most of our listeners will know this, but give a little background on MA in this market. Um, you know, I've been an MA user for 20 some odd years. Um, when I started working with the house of worship market, that was actually the, the one of the first purchases we made at the the church that I, I worked with was, uh, an MA one full size. Cause I'd used that previously in the touring world and understood it. And as a programmer and designer, it was where I was, I was comfortable, but for a long period of time, um, we saw other console manufacturers dominating the the house of worship market. And some of the things behind that were were cost. You know, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's going to try and say uh, MA has has always been the most cost effective option out there. But that's why not why most of us use it. Most of us use it because of the the capabilities behind it. Um, but I would say in the past maybe four or five years, I have seen MA start to make a lot of great moves to. Um, get the the entry level market, uh, maybe the amateur market um, served a little better. Uh, you know everything from the you guys releasing the command wings, um, so it's a more cost effective entry level solution. To even some of the software um, uh, developments you guys have made, to me feel more user friendly for maybe someone that's not always on a console. You know, in in, in our market, a lot of times you'll have a volunteer operator who works an, another job in another field Monday through Friday. And then comes to run lights on, on the weekends at church, or you know we have churches that that have you know rooms that maybe have very small budgets all the way up to their main room. So having gear in place 
that allows their entry-level people to start on the MA platform and then stay on it as they advance into the larger settings. We, I, I know I, I've witnessed you guys uh, make some of those developments. Um, I'm, I'm, th- I'm probably asking a very broad question here, but I know the first thing I'd love to hear is what are you guys doing internally? What what specific steps um, have you made, you are making? What What's in the works to kind of help serve some of the, the entry-level market a little better? Wow, that's a lot of good questions, Daniel. Um, I'm going to. So, uh, I, you in the beginning, you said give a little background on MA, and uh, certainly yeah. I'm going to jump at that opportunity because yeah. a lot of where we come from historically and how sort of MA has developed over the years kind of plays into, you know, uh, what what we are doing today. So, um, maybe one interesting aspect that people may not be really aware of is that MA is really two companies. So there is one company called MA Technology. MA Lighting Technology, that's the development and the production arm. Um, So these are my colleagues down in the factory. And then uh, MA Lighting International, where I am the managing director of, we're doing everything that is directly customer facing. So sales, marketing, support, service, um, all of those kind of aspects. So kind of uh, the equation of one plus one equals three is kind of what we are, (laughs) what we have at at play here. That's great. Um, So I'm trying to make it short uh, in terms of the history until we get to the point where then we I, I'm definitely going to directly answer the question. So, uh, you know, more than uh, almost 40 years back now in 83 is when Michael Adenau, that's basically Michael Adenau, the two first letters of his mm. name is where MA comes from, for, for, for those who didn't know. He founded the company. He still runs the company. There's two other shareholders. And he, the first product line that uh, MA came out with was the light commander was a classic sort of memory preset desk so you had your faders and you know what you saw on the faders what was what was going out uh, onto into the lights um and then uh, and that was something that was kind of you know we, we've used it locally it's a german company so it was kind of kind of here but people really didn't believe that we were you know in the at that time you know strand and the other big console manufacturers were kind of looking at that with a bit of an amusement let's for say for the record i have and, run one of those yeah, very cool. <laughs> long, long time ago, but yeah, it's like a, it's like a museum item now. Yes. We have we have a little museum here. So then we brought out um, uh, what was called the LCD one hundred and twenty, which was just a really big version of that. It had a hundred and twenty faders, so that kind of showed that you know we can do big stuff as well uh, as still the preset desk. And then the real sort of game changer, I think, that was kind of a pivotal moment for MA was the scan commander, because mm-hmm. that was right around the time when scanners and uh, and moving head fixtures versus so for the for the audio side of the uh, of the listeners right before that there was kind of a fix a fixture and then you put some filters in front of it to change the color and that was the time in the in the early 90s where either scanners with a mirror or moving heads came out so now you had to think about control differently because it was not just bright or 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 dim but it was position and all that kind of stuff and the scan commander was really the first console that kind of went away from the classic dimmer oriented more towards this kind of intelligent fixture thing and you could do things like you could save presets and you could you could you know you could select uh, a preset no matter where the fader was and and you could take different presets and make them into a scene so you would create a look on the stage and be able to recall that look at the press of a button where before you had to move several different faders and that really um, that really kind of brought us into the into the international sort of spotlight, 
And uh, also because of where the founders of MA and also the founders of MA Lighting came from, they had kind of this, you know, I would say Woodstock rock and roll type history. That's where they, they went through. And this is really kind of even today, this is our strongest market segment. And a lot of the initial sort of mind uh, set and brain went into uh, into what do you do for people who run rock and roll shows and who run big concerts and how can you make their life easier? Um, so uh, that was kind of a, a defining moment. And then, you know, at that time, just to give, to, to put some perspective, 92, when we brought out the scan commander, there was two versions. One was for 16 channels or 16 fixtures, and the other one was for 24, right? And if we look at that today, you know, uh, you know, you can run, I don't know, 30,000 fixtures. So just that, uh, you know, the, the, the sheer change in just 30 years is, is quite amazing on what, uh, on what's happening on stage. In 93, 94, having a show with 16 moving lights on it was a pretty big deal. I, I remember that, you know, if we got six, we were happy. Yeah, yeah, and that was a that was a heavy investment compared to the rest, right? Those and mm-hmm. and, and the maintenance and everything of it was quite a was quite a different uh, quite a different game. So I don't know much about lighting history at all, but um, how did that technology and that innovation compare with other manufacturers at the time? Were there other people that had intelligent control, and were you, you know, you mentioned at first they saw you as just sort of a a small, who are these guys, little up and comer. By that point in 92, 93, were they all starting to take you seriously now because of these innovations? And how was the, how was the rest of the industry at that time responding? Um, yeah, I think that we were really the first ones who had this concept um, of of controlling these what I would call intelligent fixtures at the beginning of that. And this not all, and so the, you know, Verilite, for example, was one of the first uh, brands at that time that brought out these, you know, let's call it intelligent fixtures. And it was very clear that without our control, they really couldn't sell the benefit of their fixtures. So we also had a lot of fixture manufacturers come to us and or propose to their designers. And, you know, along the line, and I don't, I don't quote me on the exact timeline, there were other, you know, control manufacturers that progressed along and, and, and got a hold of that and, and, and have done that. But I think that, um, you know, from a time point of view, there probably was some delay. And we were certainly the ones that were originally very focused on this concert touring and control market. There's others that focused maybe on a theater market or some, something like that, where, you know, you moving heads came, became a topic in theater much later than they were in concert touring. And so the evolution kind of kind of went there. But that was the the fixture manufacturers and the designers and the people that understood really what Moving Hat could bring to a set. They all kind of looked to MA really just to enable what they wanted to do. And this is kind of the this was kind of the 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 main point. And and yeah, really it helped build the brand because then uh, you know, all the tours that were starting to use moving lights had an MA console and, and, you know, and that kind of built the reputation. So that innovation was a total game changer, not only for you as a company, but for the entire industry. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. And it, it really, it, it really has so many things that when I look back on, as I did in, in, in preparation for today, I did look back into that because obviously that was before my time here. But for example, another feature that they've implemented, they called stage mode. And it, it's basically 
in the beginning, you do some setup. So you define sort of the boundaries of the stage like a grid. And later on, you could just pick a certain point and all the lights would go to that spotlight. So if you have somebody move around, you know, the drummer or whatever else. And if you look at today, one of the things that we have implemented in the most you know, latest consoles is a 3D visualizer that gives you the whole stage and you can in real time see everything. But that was kind of the starting point for that idea that there's a designer that wants to see kind of what they're doing and wants to have control in relation to the stage and not in relation to faders and and encoders and things like that you had in there. So a lot of the kind of really fundamentals that drove us into the direction that we are in today uh, were laid at that point in you know, almost 30 years ago. All right, uh, going on further, I, you know, we, we could probably spend uh, many hours just on that. Um, but then you, and, and this is what you mentioned, Daniel, and then uh, this was in, in 2004, where we, now that's not true, in 1997, uh, we introduced the Grandma One series. Mm-hmm. And that, so that combined um, some of the things that we saw in the scan command or some of the things in the light command. It gave us, you know, I was talking about 16 to 24 lights. With this one, you could do, you know, if you translate it right about 200, so you had four DMX universes. And, you know, this was the first console where you had touch screens you could actually do something with. You had motorized faders. So if you hit a preset, right, this was I talked before, if you hit a preset, your fader would still stay at the same place, but the output would change. Now, with motorized faders, we put the faders to always represent what was visible on the output. So it was, the, and we were the first ones with motorized faders. There was a built-in UPS, so uh, uninterruptible power supply, which became another really stronghold. And, you know, you made that comment, Daniel, before, that we are typically not the most cost-effective or, yeah, from a price point of view. But why do people often use MA? Because we put a lot of effort, and still today, every release cycle we do is typically four months when we bring out a new software. About 30% of the man hours go into reliability testing of the network and and the stability of the software. And that's something that, especially when you have multi-users and you have you know you have live events, that's kind of the reliability and you know again the foundation for that kind of stuff uh, was was put in. I hate to interrupt you, but there's there's a part of what you're talking about here that I think is really important to emphasize. So you're saying the MA1 was released in '97, and I actually remember that. You know, there was uh, the lighting company I was working at at the time. We had a scan commander. Uh, you know, we were using a couple other consoles at the time, and I remember getting one of those those MA full size the first year. Um, do you have in your notes there? Do you remember when you guys finally phased the MA1 out? Because I have a rough estimate, and that's the part I think uh, I like. I always like to drive home to people. If I remember right, I think it was like 2009. I don't know if you have an exact date there, but yes, that was yeah. It, uh, the, uh, the MA2 was introduced in 08, and in 09 is when we stopped manufacturing um, the. Well, today you call it MA1. At the time, it was just called just the Grandma. M- the Grandma, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so that console lasted. Well, that'd be 12 years in the market. And I mean, I remember using one in 97. I was still using one in 2009. And, you know, especially, you know, since most of our listeners are church focused, that's one of the things I always drive home to our our church market friends and and clients about the MA consoles is point out another console to me that has been viable in the market for 12 years and has kept up. And through all that, that was honestly, those years were some of my heaviest years of using MA. And what you were just talking about, the stability of the releases, you know, with, there's other devices we use and everything that I, I, I refuse to let my guys 
load new updates right away until we've given, given things a chance to let the bugs work out. The MA products are one of the few that I will go, no, once they've released it, I, I know it's going to be a good solid release and we can have confidence in it. And part of that is my experience through all those years of going, wow, this is hardware that was developed in the late nineties and it's 2007 and I'm still using it and it still works great. Yeah, we still have a lot of users uh, and, and you know, our support team, which we support all the platforms. So we don't get as many calls about the scan commander anymore, <laughs> but we still have a quite solid base of, uh, of MA1 users. And we have a console in our support uh, area so people can you know turn it on and re- you know reproduce just just in the same way and we're we're actually not doing software updates for MA1 anymore but um, we typically have a time frame of somewhere of you know eight ten years after we stop manufacturing where we still do support so you were very excited about release one five we're also always doing a release of the mode two of the Grand MA2 software to 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 constant improvements and I think that's that's a uh, that's a very uh, you know because you have this is quite a heavy investment we realize on on whether it's a fixed installation or whether it's for a rental company so you want to make sure you can use it reliably over a long time and so we're not coming out with another product every year um, uh, but uh, with you know software updates and and functionality updates that you get you know basically free for a lifetime so you buy the hardware you get free software upgrades for as long as the product exists and as long as we do it. So every three months you get new functions, you get workflow improvements, you get new things to implement. And that's, you know, that's part of, this is like, you know, having Microsoft Office and having Lifetong, uh, you have no free software update that you, you just don't get that. And, you know, this is kind exactly. of the philosophy. People make an investment once and they get service and and that for, for the rest, yeah. So um, if we continue on just and then I'm almost there, um, you know, then we, we launched Grandma 2 in, 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 uh, uh, in 2008. Um, and that's the first time we really went from, let's say, uh, you know, the direction of a single product to a system, right? Mm-hmm. So we added soft, we added networking components to it. And that's really one of the things if, if uh, and this is something that uh, over the years and even in my short time that I'm that I'm in the organization is that we typically are seen as people who are serving like the, the superstars of our industry, the people who do the the, the mega shows, right? The opening of the Olympics, mm-hmm. the Super Bowl and all of that. And that's great and good because it makes for good press. Um, but a lot of the things we learn there when you have five or six people that are working from different locations, physically on the set or even remote, and they work in real time on the same show and the same show file, that's really kind of where where the rubber meets the road, and and that all the infrastructure that's needed to do that on the, on that um, uh, uh, was all born within Grandma Two. And then the other thing that is now leading into your question is how do we make it simpler? Was the on PC um, solutions, and as the name says, it's basically um, the on PC version of the software. So that's free software that you can download, you run on your machine, you can do everything that the super operators can do on their big desk. The only thing that you need extra components to if you want to output to the lights, right? And you mm-hmm. can have some different nodes, we call it different boxes, 19 inch or, or, or DIN rail mounted that you can put in there. And that's really in the beginning, this was a product 
where we had really large designers and customers say, well, you know, I'm traveling on a tour and in the hotel, in the bus, whatever, I, I, I want to do some pre-programming. I want to make some changes. Can you give me something mobile, right? So the original idea was it's a big show, but the designer travels and wants to do something that you travel. So that's kind of how the command wing came about originally. Now, we then realized very quickly that Wow, there's a lot of users that because now it's a, at a much more attractive price point that um, are using this for smaller events, smaller shows, arena, and and that really has transformed our view on that. And I would say, especially, really in these last you know very different 24, 18, 24 months, it kind of has really changed our view on uh, on that segment of the market and uh and now you know uh, we we talked about it before we're actually today released a new uh software to uh 1.5 and um and some additional hardware products which i can mention briefly, which really has a strong focus on um, the people who are not standing in front of a desk every day. Um, one example was, um, and this was a little bit, maybe maybe you know about it, Danielle, there was um, a time, um, and this was, I'm trying to find uh, somewhere around, I think, mean, like 2010, 2012, we had a, a, a series called Dot2, mm-hmm. which was kind of aimed at that market, but it ran on a different, it was a completely separate platform. They yep. had nothing to do. You couldn't interchange things and everything, and that really kind of became difficult at the end because people wanted to start small and then grow bigger as we went. Um, And, um, but it had some cool things in it. Like one of them was you were turning on the console and it was kind of like a wizard was running that was asking you, okay, where are your fixtures? How do you patch them? Here's some predefined layout views. Here's some colors that you can do. Um, And, and that's what we've implemented in the latest 1.5, which, uh, you know, we call it guided start show. So you can fire it up. You can patch your fixtures and you immediately have something that you work with. We have we've given some views, we've given some previews, you have some, you know, circles and different things that you can run there. Um, so we really put more effort into understanding uh, what it is. Also more effort into if you're working on a PC environment and uh, um, and have a command wing. So you don't have the same sort of real estate space in controlling it. So how does that visually look like um, versus if you're on a desk? Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, so we have done a lot of those things. And the other product that I was quickly talking about is that specifically for the installation market, um, where we have a 19 inch rack, it's called an on PC rack unit is basically, um, a PC with the software integrated and parameters that you have on a 19 inch rack. And so you can sort of define your show, you can do everything, but you don't have to have a console all the time. So if you have... If you have things where you just need a button press that recalls a certain scene or something like that, mm-hmm. then you can do that without having the consoles there. There and uh, yeah, this is and there's little things like we have a number of designers around the world and users around the world that we interact with on a regular basis. You know this very well, Daniel, because you're in this in the circle where we bet- between every release we talk to you about what do you think we should improve in the software. So we have a lot of people. And the mix of that people in the past has been very skewed towards, let's say, the larger and the bigger shows, right? Mm-hmm. So in the last 24 months, we've changed that to uh, kind of, uh, you know, include more the up and coming, the younger people um, that come from different areas. And uh, yeah, that, I think that's, that's, that's the group really I'm in, right? Changing. The younger people? That's the group I'm in? Is that right? <laughs> that's okay. exactly All the right. group that you are in, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm gonna keep <laughs> telling myself that. Younger people with lots of experience. It's okay. a very unique group. <laughs> yeah. So I hope I, I know this was a long breath answer uh, to 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 your question, but I think the history of it shows a little bit that where we come from and what the company built was really uh, the first you know success came from that top uh, angle of top uh, piece of the pyramid, and uh, but we've learned more and more that um, you know people are really. Um, engaged in it and, and excited about what they can do. And it's it's a bit if you, um, we're all trying to make some examples, but it's a, if I'm staying because we're, you know, you guys are from the audio side, so I'm trying to maybe do this in a, in a music example. But if you have, um, in a, and this is where maybe a lot of other desk manufacturers, they have a, oftentimes a very specific focus on a very, on, on one segment of the market. So I see this is like a, this is like a piano. So you can, you can do many good things with a piano um, and you can, you know, change volume and how hard you hit the keys and all that kind of stuff, but you can't ever make it sound like a trumpet or like a violin or like an orchestra. And what you can do with an MA console is in a very simple case, you can work it just like a piano this is kind of the star show in the simple views, but you can also work it like it is the entire orchestra. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so um, for, you know, we give something to the pros who really want to have maximum flexibility and want to start kind of from a white canvas. And then we also have something that eases a little bit into it. And then you have flexibility, but you're starting from more than just an empty, an empty canvas. Man, that is such great info. And it's funny. We, we tell a lot of our clients that exact same thing. We, we do uh, actually a lot of MA training through my company for people. And one yeah. of the first things we say when we sit down with them um, is there is five ways to do everything on an MA. And where most consoles make you bend to them and you have to wrap your head around the way they are set up and what their programming language is, you can bend MA to you. You know, I'm Coming up in the business through the nineties, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on status cues, on on hog consoles, on you know LCD controllers, on scan commanders, on so it kind of came from a, a variety of background of consoles. So I, what I've discovered about myself is the way that I will program on an MA is is more built around my history as a programmer. Where when one of my younger guys, my twenty two or twenty three year olds who, who have always existed in, in an MA approach it from a very different standpoint, but they can do that. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, the other thing we tell uh, when we're starting our training classes is MA has a tendency to be very intimidating for people that are first stepping up to it. It's because it is such a flexible canvas. And what we tell them the secret is having someone come on board that knows MA, uh, understands it, and then can set it up to function the way they need it to. We do certain, you know, projects and installs where we have, you know, MA comp the software completely opened up, access to everything, uh, taking advantage of every feature in it, and then we do some situations. And this is where I'm, I'm very excited to hear about that new product release because that's going to help us out a ton. We've, in the past, when we've needed to do a, a smaller install like that, we've done a separate rack mount PC and then a two port node to go along with it in a touchscreen. That's going to simplify that because for for yes. appli applications where we don't have a experienced or skilled lighting programmer on site or perhaps not a lighting person at all. Maybe it's a worship leader or the the lead singer or someone who's 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 over the lighting. We'll do a very basic MA setup like that where all we give them is access to presets or you know we'll use a layout view and do um, you know encoder buttons on that that say here's a blue look, here's a red look, here's a green look. And, you know, you, you said in that first part, I, I really, I know I probably asked too broad of a question. You said such great stuff in there. Um, but one of the things w was really um, 
I'm trying to remember exactly how you phrased it. Um, but just about how the software can can flex to any any skill level uh, of user. Um, you know, we will we'll do ones where, like I said, it, it's simply a, a a button push. And then what we've discovered as is over time with those clients, as they get used to the software, the way we get it set up, every couple months we're getting questions about more advanced operation. And after you know six months of it of having an MA in their facility, we have people who aren't even experienced lighting programmers suddenly getting into the software, diving into it, programming on it, because once you understand it, it does become very user-friendly. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's also something very unique about about the House of Worship market is this, it's quite amazing to see how passionate people are about, you know, this 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 tool and 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 what the end result is um, from, as you said, somebody that is not necessarily doing that for a living. And I think that's one of the fun things about the software is that uh, because it grows with you and it grows with your ability, right? Mm-hmm. So you can start, you know, quote unquote, simple, but you can use some predefined things and said, yeah, this is the blue look, this is the red look, whatever. But as you get more experienced with it over time, um, it gives no limitation. You don't have to go back and say, okay, I went down that path and that was just a simple thing. And now I have to do the advanced piece and now I have to start all over again. It can, it can grow into whatever you want, even if you you know, in, in some instances, if you wanted to create, um, you know, the same look over different over different uh, venues, mm-hmm. um, and then the the venues vary in size, so you then you add a little bit of piece to this venue, but not to that venue. It you know, this is kind of the um, the the fun stuff. We even had uh, projects where on a on like a holiday there were multiple venues uh, around a geographic area and you could actually connect all of them together to for at that particular moment run the exact same show so you know pretty pretty uh, uh interesting stuff and and the creativity uh in that market is 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 really incredible and 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 the learning programs that you all have put together is is really amazing so um i think that's when you you first have to kind of get into it a little bit get over the hump yeah. and, and 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 dive into it and let it happen um, and I think that's uh, after that you really can see you know, can see the benefits yeah you, you kind of said something for a second time there that I think is worth emphasizing you, you said it earlier in the conversation as well and I want to make sure people don't gloss over this the same software that the smallest church installation is using so if you you if you have just that new rack rack mount device with no physical console service you're using the exact same software as the guy running, you know, Beyonce or the biggest show in the world with five consoles out of front of house. And, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes people hear that and it doesn't quite equate. So, I, you know, having a, an official MA person on here emphasizing that I think is, is important. There's no difference. It is the exact same piece of software. Yeah. Right. There's only there's only one exactly. There's only one software, and that's kind of the learning from this other product that we've done because we thought if we we take it out, but we have so many people that very rarely do you have people that operate that always stay in the same segment, right? Mm-hmm. So they want to take what they've done, that the work that they've invested, and they want to evolve it, and and that was really one of the sort of learnings. And it is you know clearly we are coming from uh, an airplane. Uh, kind of console that you have to you know fly and and have to work backwards and this is uh but this is the beauty of i mean you'll see in the 1.5 you can have a lot of like you do for your customers often you give predefined views where they can pick colors and they can pick positions and then you make it easier so you make the user interface easier because they don't need to get 
involved in in the back of that but mm-hmm. uh yeah and then we we even have uh which is uh, probably you love to hear we're we're further developing a converter that's also part of 1.5 where you can take shows from the two platform and convert them into the three platform so this thinking of um taking work that somebody has done and making it useful for a very long time is is a big part of it so you don't have to do things again and again and again because technology will change and and this is i think also one of the benefits is that you buy the desk but you you get an update every 3 months you have the hardware is the same clearly but the product evolves it's not something that you buy now like if you buy a laptop now then in you know three years, two years, one year, whatever, it's not running your applications in the same way or whatever you have kind of. And that's in our industry, the cycles, we need to keep it a little bit longer so people can actually have it useful for a long time. The same seems like what a lot of emphasis you guys put in your your auxiliary components as well as your your external processors and things of that nature is seems like they're designed and built to further the, the life of everything we're using and make it where, you know, if we, as things do grow, you don't have to go out and buy a whole new console to be able to service it. Well, you can add in an additional processor or additional nodes or things of that nature that helps expand your, your core system for that. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, like a modular system. Exactly. It's just, if you, if you, if you need little power, you start small. And then if you add, you just add sort of cylinders to the engine, if you will. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then it will pump, you know, there's a limit. I think we can do like a, maybe a, a V24, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right. but that does that does for most uh, people. That's very interesting. There's one other story that I just wanted to, because we had, when we started with the MA1, um, uh, at that point, you know, with 4DMX Universe, people said, oh, you're crazy. Why, why would you ever need such a big show? That's impossible. <laughs> Nobody will need 200 fixtures on a show. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, as it often is, uh, we have one customer that really pushes you to the edge, and this was the Blumen Group at the time. So mm. they were pushing the limits in what they want to do. So um, the designers went back to the drawing board and came up with this concept that you just mentioned, which is it was called the NSP at that point. Um, so it was an additional device that you could add that would give you more output power, for lack of a better term. So, you know, that was there. And, and that concept stayed until then to say, well, you know, if people want to add more than, uh, than they can do it. And you won't believe it. I mean, even today with uh, 256,000 parameters, which is quite a lot of fixtures, we have people that say, ah, oh, you know what, I'm working on this show. I think we're going to run out of parameters. How can we do it? So. <laughs> <laughs> the sky is the limit. <laughs> we just had an XL processor arrive yesterday for a client that's already running a full size. So we we right, we, we, very, we very much <laughs> feeling that right now. Okay, so I'd love to hear more about this new hardware that you think our house worship audience would be very interested in. If you're allowed to say, I know it's not released yet. And then also, I have a request that um, that MA um consult with audio companies and teach them how to make consoles last for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Well, I should uh I, I don't know if I should mention that uh because uh, but uh, but um, in my previous life before I joined MA I was part of Harman so uh and and Soundcraft so uh, I can maybe phone up some of my old colleagues and, and, and tell them. <laughs> uh I will I will I will do that. Um yeah, so the on, on the on PC rack unit is basically a uh, you know kind of like what Daniel described. It's a it's a it's a 19 inch PC where our software runs on, and um, it has outputs uh, and parameters that you can directly um, control lights with. So um, 
what's the what's the, the the advantage that I see there is that not every installation requires or has on every occasion a front of house that stands there with a console and does the control of everything, right? You have more regular, you know, services and regular things where you say, okay, I, you know, somebody comes in like somebody like Daniel's company programs at once, and then you just want to recall certain things on a regular basis. But then maybe during special holidays, special events, you do have that bigger setup. Um, uh, and then you want somebody in front of house to take control of that. So that's basically what this unit does. You, you program it once, you have a blue mode, a red mode, a, you know, whatever whatever the, the scenarios that you want. Uh, and that's where it lives within the venue. And then there's a bigger event um, and some Somebody comes in uh, with the console uh, and they can connect to it and then they can take full control of it and do whatever else is, is needed for that. So um, sometimes the console, I mean, you, when you have a setting where everything that's happening feels like a, a, a big show or, or a concert and there's music involved, the console is a very natural tool that people get used to it. But if outside of a show uh, in an installation, a console oftentimes scares people away because they feel it makes it very complex. And this kind of has all the brain power of the console without the faders and the knobs and the encoders, but you can always add knobs and faders mm -hmm. and encoders to it if you so desire. And that's the that's kind of the philosophy of that. I love I love that idea of having a foundational system that can be unlocked progressively as you attain more knowledge and more experience and more just comfortability with the software that it's like, oh yeah, we can we can add this over time. But the core ecosystem is exactly the same. So you're you're not having to rebuy anything or kind of upgrade your your core system other than to add hardware. That's really that's a that's a great just way of thinking for our you know typically volunteer based audience i think they're really going to resonate with that it's great. you know or, or there are so many facilities we have now where you'll have a your main church building is a big building with with big production and you need some kind of higher level console for that but then you have kids rooms and youth rooms and fellowship halls on the side that you want to have one ecosystem so that your volunteers or your your production team that are operating those rooms um, are learning that same software so that as they advance up the ranks and end up working in your main facility, you know if they're if they're already running off of a, a rack mount PC unit in a kids room, then it's not too big of a jump when they start going to the main room. Or even you know as, as Stefan was saying, uh, some fellowship halls, eighty percent of the time you may not need a full console in there. A simple touch screen with ability to recall presets will be great. But what about that two or three times a year where it's a special youth event? It's overflow for Christmas and you want to be able to have extra production in there. Having that ecosystem already in place so you can just drop in a command wing or an MA light or something like that without having to completely reinvent everything is huge. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll use this a ton. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, my friend. We, uh, we know you're on the other side of the world and we're probably taking up precious dinner time. But um Daniel showed me he's got 25 more questions he wanted to ask. So that means <laughs> you have to come back. <laughs> Definitely. I'm more than happy to do that. Well, thank you uh, also for, for, for having me on the show. It was, it was great fun. And uh, yeah, re re ready to do it anytime again. Excellent. Awesome. Well, it's great thank to meet you. Uh, thank you for all your great information. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you. Bye, everyone. All right. Well, that was awesome. I learned a lot about 
consoles and how crazy is it they spend 30% of their development on reliability I've never heard that before but I've definitely witnessed it you know I'm not going to say I've never had an MA crash on me but I will say I can count on one hand how many they've crashed and over, over 20 20 years yeah. yeah and that's I've had other other consoles who I've used for much le- shorter periods of time that I, I can't say that about so and the other thing that's fascinating to me is we've been trying to get this interview scheduled for a few weeks now. How crazy is it that we were able to get it on the very day that 1.5 software is coming out? Like to be able to announce that on the day that it's released is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, we're I know here at the company we're super excited about that one. We've actually got a couple projects that we have been waiting to see if 1.5 releases before the project launches so that we can go ahead and, and, and switch over. Because that's there's been a lot of maybe internal industry uh, conversation, especially if you're if you're frequent any of the Facebook groups about uh, the MA3 software and you know whether whether or not it's where it should be yet, whether or not it's reliable. Uh, and I'll say, as a company, we have we have already started using it on several projects. We haven't started using it on all projects, but uh, you know, knowing that 1.5 is out now, that's been a, a big marker we've been looking for. And as someone who's, you know, I wasn't around for you know there wasn't really beta testing on the the original MA stuff in the industry, at least nothing I was a part of because I would have been 17 at the time. But uh, I know with the MA2, um, there was a period of time on the front end where. You know, the software, you kind of heard some of the same stuff. I don't think social media was quite what it is now because that would have been around 2008 that all that happened. Um, But this is sort of the process. But uh, we're definitely excited to see 1.5 release because with that, you know, we want to do some internal testing first. But as long as everything looks good on our end, all future DC Pro projects will be launching in MA3 now. All right, fellas. Well, this was a fun one. Absolutely. It's always good to connect, Daniel. Thanks for making it happen today. We need to do it again sooner than later. Let's do it. I don't have any more two and a half week vacations planned anytime soon. So you got me. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys later.